back, friends and neighbors, to The Future Will Not Be Podcast. This is an unscripted, unedited, really entirely unplanned conversation about future shock, the notion that technology is accelerating so quickly that human civilization cannot keep up. Our laws, our societies, the way we raise our kids, we can't keep up with it all, and that is a fundamentally different problem facing our generation and all future generations. My name is Matt Silverman. I am joined by two pals, two buddies who have worked in the tech and media industries for about a decade. Uh, to my virtual left, Alex Fitzpatrick. Hello, hello, hello. And to my virtual right, Evan Engel. That's what I thought too. We're, we're occupying the same headspace, the same virtual digital space. We are not in the same room, but we are in the same uh, internet room, so to speak. It's a chat room. ASL? Uh, 36L? What's L? Location? Location? New York? Yeah. New York and uh, AOS is gender, sex, male. I am male. Yeah, that would be different now for kids. They probably wouldn't even bother with that or or, right. or they would do agl huh yeah yeah uh-huh, yeah you gotta uh-huh. update that for uh mm-hmm. for the woke era yeah <laughs> for sure yeah. today we are talking about blockchain technology and cryptocurrency those two go hand in hand but are not always holding hands uh and we will uh, elaborate on that um and I think I'm going to kick this off by saying that you guys are more fluent than I am in this technology. Uh, Evan, you work specifically for a media company that covers blockchain and cryptocurrency. Yep. So I'm going to let you take the reins here. But I would like to tee us off with a concept that um, is fascinating to me and kind of bothers me at the same time, Please. which is the current fervor around cryptocurrency, Bitcoin obviously being one of the biggest, if not the biggest, please uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I feel like the average consumer and the people who are like, I'm into Bitcoin, they're treating it as a commodity uh, and they're trading it like a stock on a marketplace, which is fine. That is anyone's uh, right and privilege, privilege to do. But uh, my perception of uh, cryptocurrency is that it was invented to create cash, untraceable uh, currency for the digital age. Meaning anytime I transact, you know, if I want to buy a widget from you, Evan, and we walk up to each other in person, I give you $10 in cash and you give me the widget and there's no bank, there's no government that is that is interfering or, or mitigating that transaction. And there's no way to do that on the internet because you're always going through a credit card or a website or and there's always data that's being tracked about you. Bitcoin was invented to, um, to free us from that type of commerce. And instead, the last mm, three to five years has been all about like, Bitcoin's up, Bitcoin's down. Yeah. You got Bitcoin, like, and and I'm like, cool guys, but like, the future is about uh, digital currency, not about commodity. And I, I'm very interested to hear your take on that divide, if I could call it that. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I'd say that that the way you describe it is is pretty much is pretty accurate, right? Like the 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 idea behind Bitcoin was to to allow the sort of free transaction that the internet was sort of missing at that point because it was always mediated by a third party, by a PayPal or a, or a Facebook or, or one of these guys. Um, and certainly, you know, I, I, when, if you look at, at sort of the really early adopters of Bitcoin, a lot of it were, were libertarians who were really excited about the ideas of, of sort of sidelining traditional finance and, and the Federal Reserve and these sorts of things. Uh, and and sure, like included in that were were the radical like you know like radical drug dealers and and all sorts of people who who sort of saw the potential for for uh, what's come to be known as censorship resistant transactions, right? Transactions that that yeah. aren't subject to the control of of a third party. Um, but you're right, like the once it became clear that there was that that basically that that somebody had invented an entirely new asset. Right, a digital good that could be traded, uh, a, a digital good that that was also scarce, right, which which had never existed before. Uh, 
So once that became clear that that existed, the speculators moved in and 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 certainly they moved in uh, with with force and and with volume. Uh, and it, and it does feel like for the last few years, all you hear about are the speculators and uh, talking about about you're going to get rich with Bitcoin or or vice versa. Uh, and that all being said, you know, uh, anytime. Any currency is subject to this sort of trading, right? Foreign currency exchanges are a thing. And if I've got, for instance, a bunch of yen and I think like, oh, Japan's government is about to do a thing that will destabilize the country economically, I can sell all that yen and get some euro or something and maybe make some money. Basically, you're betting that, um, you know, Japan is going to do something that's going to tank the yen. Yeah. Um, and so like any currency is subject to all this stuff. The, the big difference they're in being, you know, sort of as I alluded to, um, most currencies, all pretty much all currencies, are tied to some nation and some central bank and some uh, economic policy makers uh, whose decisions affect how that currency stacks up against other world's currencies for which they can be traded as a commodity. Um, and so, with Bitcoin, you have none of that. And all of the one of the problems with it is that, uh, in terms of the speculation, uh, there's so much just wild. Well, really wild speculation that's going on because there's no the, the same benefits that that you know attracted the sort of libertarian crowd to Bitcoin in the first place, like the no central bank, uh, make it a really difficult thing to price and value, and that's why you see such radical valuation swings uh, throughout the days and weeks and months in the sort of trading charts. Okay, I've never uh, heard it uh, framed quite like that. That's very helpful, and I just want to add one thing of like. The other difference that I see between uh, other currencies is that most people use dollars and yen and euros to just buy things. They Most people do not uh, speculate against them. Whereas I feel like everyone who's into Bitcoin is in it for like the speculative game. Right. I wouldn't say everyone. You know, I, I having worked in the field now specifically since uh, since January, um, you know, the, the people who got into it or in the early days are, are still in it. Right. And they didn't get into it because they they all they're at least not all, all of them got into it because they thought they would get rich. So a lot of them got into it because mm-hmm. the the underlying technology, this blockchain technology uh, has the potential to to fundamentally transform uh, the way that we transact online. Uh, and 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 do quite a bit more than that, if you according to some people, and and so all those people who got into it in the early days are all still there. I think uh, their voices are are drowned out often by uh, by people who 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 crow about Lamborghinis, and and of course you know I mean that that is attention getting right when somebody buys a Lamborghini, and 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 when we've fundamentally created a, a like a new class of wealthy people that that. That the likes of which we haven't seen since really the dot com days, uh, or maybe maybe the Facebook you know the, the Facebook bloom, uh, then of course that's going to get attention, especially with the way that especially with what our our media's values are, right? It's, it yeah, and there's this element of like magicalness to it too, right? Like it seems like the people who got rich off Bitcoin they just got rich from nothing, yeah. right? It's that idea of something from nothing that seems to defy. All, all everything we know about economics and money and, and how this should work. And I would say the same for uh, stock traders or hedge fund people. It's like the average person doesn't understand how these people became billionaires. I mean, but they're just, I guess, super smart at uh, reading marketplaces and they're and they're not creating anything. They're just moving money around and getting, getting super rich from that. And that is uh, mystifying and frustrating to average person, I think. Yeah. Sure, sure. Should we take a step back? Would it be good to take a step back at this point and just like define what Bitcoin and and the blockchain are? Let's do it. Yes. And also, um, Evan, you said something very clarifying. The first digital good with scarcity. Uh, I understood that at a basic level, at an intellectual level. I've never quite heard it phrased that way. So it's like, yep, okay, got it. I understand. And so really my main question as you get into the, 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 the primer here for, for both me and 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 the listeners is um how is the scarcity created or controlled it is always what i what i when i investigate bitcoin and i try to understand it i keep coming back to this idea of like but but what is the system that determines the scarcity and i, I never quite get past sure. it 
And we should, before Evan, not to interrupt, but before you start, I just want to say that scarcity is important for uh, any kind of monetary product, because if you can have unlimited thing, that thing no longer has any value, right? Like scarcity gives something value. Yes. So important to think about in economic terms. But Evan, take it away. So uh, I, I think... In the simplest term, I, I always like to explain it like this, is, is I think about if, if the three of us wanted to, to play a game, let's say we were bored at work and, and we pulled up a Google Doc and we were all at our desks and Matt would write out a trivia question and, and Alex, you and I would, would try to type in the answer first. And let's, I know there's a really nerdy game to play, but let's just say, let's just say that that's, that's the game we were playing. This doesn't sound like us at all. I don't know what you're talking no, about. I was, we yeah, would hate this, obviously. <laughs> what are you guys doing later? So, <laughs> so, so let's say uh, you and I both typed the answer very quickly, and, and, and I thought that I typed it before you did. And you said, no, no, on my screen, I typed it before, before your, yours came up. I, I don't know what you're talking about. And so we had this disagreement over who entered that text in first. The the only person who could really know the answer uh, to that question is Google, right? Google is the only one who has that sort of God's eye view of, of its own system. And, and having that ability to, to, to tell us what, what information was processed in what order by whom uh, gives Google a lot of value, right? It, it, it lets Google timestamp emails and it lets Google uh, timestamp docu- documents and, and, and it just lets Google uh, uh, be a controller of information. Uh, and, and we see that anywhere, anytime we see the same thing, anytime you and I want to trade, trade money on Venmo or, or via bank transfer online or one of these, it's, there's, there's always some third party that is needed to, to verify, uh, who gave what information to whom and when. And so the, the fundamental innovation of, of Bitcoin, the, the technology beneath it, the blockchain, what the blockchain does that we couldn't do before is it allows us to to exchange information online without the need for one of those third parties, without a Google, without a bank, without a PayPal, without any of them. Uh, just just the three of us trading information back and forth in a system that uh, that is that is self uh, uh, verifying. So if we if we want to get into the the way it does that, I don't think we want to get down into the the nitty gritty guts of it, but but essentially. Uh, by by having by by having a mass network of computers that anyone can be a part of theoretically, uh, anybody in theory has has the ability to, to to run the Bitcoin protocol and to check their their computer can check that everything that's going on on the Bitcoin network is is true, um, and so by having by distributing that ability instead of having it in a centralized server somewhere in in the Utah desert that the Google or the NSA or somebody runs. Uh, it's, it's anybody anywhere on earth. Uh, it's, it's the, it's the entire computing power of earth. If we want it to be, uh, running this network and verifying that the things that are happening on it are true. Uh, and that's, that's fundamentally, that's a, that's a game changer. And eventually it will give us the answer 42. Yes. (laughs) But I mean, that's, it sounds to me like you're, that's, you're describing blockchain more so than Bitcoin. Yes. yes, Right. Yes. So, so like, and, we, I, and I want to stay with I want to stay with blockchain for before we move forward because sure. I do I'm with you all the way and I feel like I, I I already I had this fundamental understanding but I have further questions I I do want to get a little deeper so um well oh I had an analogy um Napster for money meaning yes. it's it's peer to peer. Napster never hosted files. It was just 50 people all agree, all had a certain file on their hard drive and you'd, you'd slowly download it from 50 people at once if they were online. Yes, that's a, that's that, a, that's perfect, a good analogy. That's a perfect analogy. Okay. Yeah. So my question then is you said that anyone on the network could verify that XYZ is true, that, that, that who, you know, who typed in the Google document first uh, wouldn't would there not be discrepancies between the 50 people on the network of like who did what first based on I'm in Australia and my signals this fast and you're in New York and and your computer processes at this microsecond and then wouldn't there be differences in in those computer opinions or no is there something about the protocol that that unifies them I, this is where I, my knowledge breaks down so so if- 
theoretically, even even in the event that there are discrepancies, uh, the the different blockchains are set up to handle those in different ways. Uh, Bitcoin specifically is handled it uh, so, such that when fifty one percent of the computers agree on hmm. on what when, what happened, that is taken as fact, and I that's okay. that is, that's hard coded into Bitcoin. Other blockchains could behave in a different way. Got it. Okay, so there is technological subjectivity, but it's not up to a Google to make the fa- the final call. It's up to the a majority of the network or uh, uh, some plurality of the network to make the call, even though um, reality is some is a, kind of subjective at the end of the day, uh, even at the like electron level or some something. I mean that's that's. But I mean, we're getting above above my knowledge level there when we when we get mm-hmm. to that. But uh, but that's in, that is an interesting possibility. I mean, in in theory, both of these systems, Google and and Bitcoin and or, and or a blockchain, uh, they're all running on pure math theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the results should be the same whether it's Google or whether it's Bitcoin or or, or anything. Um, mm-hmm. But the difference is that. Uh, with with Bitcoin or with with a blockchain, we don't need Google, and we don't need we don't need the the legions of of Google engineers who have to be paid. We don't need uh, the political power that Google gains out of this. Uh, we just we just need people to run the protocol, and anyone theoretically could do it. So so then, in terms of defining digital digital scarcity, are we still talking about blockchain, or or shall we move on to Bitcoin, which is the commodity that it that it creates? So we should. This is where this is a good way to get into Bitcoin. So Bitcoin uh-huh. is is an, an application that use that uses a blockchain. Uh, Bitcoin is a is the best way to think about Bitcoin in this case. I think is it's a protocol in the same way that email is a protocol, right? E- email. There's a protocol that runs runs on the internet such that when I send an email from my Gmail my friend in Yahoo can get it right like that because there's a a protocol that runs underneath the internet which is just i i think about this often not to sidetrack email's amazing it's the last open platform on yes. the internet everything else we use is closed i can't send a facebook message from twitter yep. but i can send an email to you no matter what service you're on that's amazing in 2018 and i just want to uh, applaud email for a minute yeah, yeah. Email. I do. I. I mean, email is also the service that gave us uh, subject lines such as re 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 that thing yesterday. So, amen. What minus one for email in my book? Honestly, continue. But both those things are what people get people excited and and mad about Bitcoin because Bitcoin has the potential to bring back all of this. Sure. Uh, so, so the way that that Bitcoin operates is Bitcoin is a protocol by which uh, by which essentially uh, uh, users can exchange. Essentially, what you're exchanging when you exchange Bitcoin is you're exchanging uh, codes. You're exchanging code. You're well. You're exchanging the right. Okay, this is this is getting weird. You're you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're what you're really doing is you're exchanging the ability to move pieces of the bitcoin ledger uh so so this is weird but if you think of if you think of so so bitcoin there is a ledger right there's a ledger that that records who owns what who has given uh uh which bitcoin to whom so so i can say so in the ledger you know if alex gives gives a bitcoin to matt that's recorded in the ledger and it's important to say that the ledger is public but yet anonymous which is kind of strange dichotomy but important yes Mm -hmm. yes and so I, we can all you can look at the ledger and see who's doing what. But like, if you don't know who belongs to what account, you have no idea who, who literally is doing what. So you can so, see that the like account X did this. But if you don't know who belongs to account X or who account X belongs to, uh, you don't know who what actual person is doing that activity. That makes sense. And my question there is like, let's we're just let's just say Bitcoin. We're not talking about other currencies, but like. Let's say everyone's looking at the blockchain and all of a sudden you see like a million dollars worth of Bitcoin 
being moved somewhere yeah. like do people notice that and then they kind of look around and say like oh that guy had just bought a lamborghini you yes. know that that bitcoin guy like there must be a culture around that sort of stuff yes no? absolutely there are there there are, there are tons of tons of everybody from real people to bots who monitor uh bitcoin mm. transactions in real time to to try to figure out you know where they're going and and, and what it means there were there was a big one just last week uh, worth millions of dollars that that shook the market up a little bit because somebody mm-hmm. moved millions of dollars and 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 then everybody said why is he cashing out who is this what are they doing mm-hmm, right there's mm-hmm, a mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. a whole thing there uh, okay okay um, yeah and that that speaks to the, the sort of the commodities issue which is like the same with a stock you know if you if suddenly somebody you see on the stock exchange somebody just sold you know three million dollars worth of facebook or whatever you're like it could cause us further sell-off in facebook because investors have tend to have a herd mentality and if one person does something that's even if other investors don't understand why they did it it's just a sign that like oh man we should get out too right like other people mm-hmm. will chase that movement it's a very mm-hmm. intelligent way of doing business <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, but to get to get back to it, so so essentially, Bitcoin Bitcoin is is Bitcoin is scarce because because it it's what because it's because in, well, in it's order, designed to be scarce, it, right? Yes, by it basically by by virtue of encrypted uh, of encryption keys, uh, you can design uh, a system that that can only be altered by people who possess the keys. So I, I know it, it's strange, but, but in a way you're, you're passing around secret codes when you trade Bitcoin. And when and you know what, and maybe, yeah. maybe the, maybe the question is not about scarcity. Cause I understand like the concept of digital scarcity is, is not insane to me. It makes sense. There's like, there's a set mathematical number of, codes yes and if you have a code you have it if you don't have a code you don't have it and then you can't just make more more codes because the system is closed in that way yes that that does compute to me maybe what i'm asking is how does really anything how does green paper or shiny shells or bitcoin uh, obtain value uh can i take this one uh, well, so this is one of the weirdest parts of economics that uh, you can ever get into. But uh, the question of value is really interesting. And basically, the idea is this. Uh, things have value if other people agree that they have value. Right. Uh, if I have three shiny shells and you have one nice red apple and we agree that my three shiny shells are worth your one rap- one red apple and we trade those things, uh, then you know, we, then that's what, that's the valuation that those things have. Right. Um, and it's happens the same way in the, on the stock exchange where, um, if, you know, investors agree that Apple is worth $1 trillion in market capitalization, then that's what we consider Apple to be worth. Um, and it's basically the, um, agreement of many thousands of people saying that, yes, like it, we can, we agree that this is what this thing is worth. Um, and I think the most fascinating example and the and sort of the, the classic textbook, literally the, the economics textbook example is like the U.S. dollar, which has a lot of weird things going on, being the global reserve and all this stuff. But um, the fact that we took the dollar off of the gold standard mm-hmm. uh, and so it's no longer backed by any like it used to be such that if you had a certain amount of U.S. dollars and you went to Fort Knox, you could say, hey, give me my gold, please, mm-hmm. um, because that's what the currency was backed by. It's backed by mineral, like rare mineral, mineral wealth that was scarce by nature of, or scarce by nature of the fact that there's just not very much of it in the world physically. Um, whereas now, that's you can't do that anymore. Like they would just look at you sideways, right? Mm-hmm. So the US dollar gets all of its valuation from the fact that pretty much everybody in the world agrees what a dollar is worth. And there's mm-hmm. like that, amount fluctuates a little bit like the nature of currencies is that they fluctuate against one another based on all sorts of macroeconomic factors uh but generally speaking the dollar is pretty stable um and we just kind of agree what a dollar is worth let me let me follow up and say that that all makes perfect sense but uh, you know the apple and the shells, well, I don't know about the shells, but like an apple has inherent value. It is edible. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. So like the, the value ascribed to an apple, I get it. Um, the dollar has like deep sort of, like you said, originally mineral wealth and then sort of nation state historical 
everyone mm-hmm. over the course of 200 years has come to agree what a dollar's worth also it's 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 a weird concept it is weird economically that 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 anything could have value like that but i get it so i guess my question is how at the birth of bitcoin yeah. how do <laughs> how do people come to agree because like like you said like nothing is worth anything unless x number of people agree and it could only be two people it could just be two people who agree that all the bitcoin in the world is worth either a dollar amount or it's worth you know two thumbs up like i don't know but like somebody somewhere had to agree and then as it as it evolved the market forces took hold but like where do those forces come from if no one really knows what this is yet i mean we do now but now but back so i mean when's the invention of bitcoin how long are we talking like uh, 10 years years. 10 years so okay the, yeah. the answer fits fits you. I'll take it. I mean, I think, Matt, you kind of just answered your own question. And I mean, Evan, you can add to this if you want. But like my understanding is that, you know, at some point it literally was just two people <laughs> yeah. uh, who were sort of sort of making those conversations. And then like once you it sort of spreads in the sense that like you have two people who are decide who are using this thing to purchase goods or services from one another and then maybe they tell a friend and uh the friend finds out about it like oh that's an interesting way to to do things and then it sort of spreads organically from there Mm -hmm. and the more people that get involved the sort of smarter it gets by group Mm -hmm. in the sense that um it's almost uh, like crowdsourcing (laughs) or not like it, it can get it can get very very dumb uh, as well, but, but, uh, but smart or dumb, it 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 has a will of its own as yes. more people get into it and maybe agree or disagree, and fluctuations happen, and that becomes the market forces that we're talking about. Yeah. Totally. And what's what's strange about Bitcoin is that I mean, there's a lot of strange things, but like um, some some of the valuation, the valuation fluctuations that we've seen are, are caused by like digital mess ups. Like one big issue mm. with Bitcoin, as so many people got involved, was that because there were so many transactions happening, the ledger was getting very slow to update. Uh, and like that has a really de- deleterious effect on uh, the valuation because it's suddenly like, oh, maybe this currency is not as like perfect as we think it is so we should get out or whatever it is mm. um but evan like I, I, do you have stuff to well, add to that? no not really I, I would only say that that to to mass description of the process it's it's pretty accurate i mean it, it started bitcoin was invented by a, a cryptographer or or a group of cryptographers we don't know um and it took hold in the in the cryptography community right people who are really into encryption and 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 really into to the mathematical processes behind it um, and I think those people saw the value of it pretty early, a lot of them anyway, and and it, it sort of spread out from the, that community. Um, and I think the but I but I think the thing that that first really uh, gave Bitcoin any value was when people realized it could be exchanged for drugs online. That's mm-hmm. that's not a, a knock against the, that's nothing inherent to Bitcoin, or maybe it is inherent to Bitcoin, but it doesn't have to be a knock against it. But it but I, I think that was the first time you actually saw a mass market of people trading dollars into Bitcoin and saying, oh, "Okay, I need a Bitcoin." Then and then the people who who held Bitcoin saying, "Well, I can get a better price for it from this guy," and then you start right. seeing seeing the value of it go up. Okay, okay, that's making a lot of sense of like, we don't know if a Bitcoin's worth $2 or $2 million, but drugs are worth X value to me because I really want drugs and the only way to transact drugs is through some sort of anonymous system and therefore Bitcoin is just instantly becomes like, oh, this thing is very valuable in this context and then it's a person who wants drugs and a person who's selling drugs and they're connecting and saying... Well, what do you give me? Is it three three shiny shells for an apple, or is it four shiny shells for an apple? And that's the transaction, and that's that's the valuation right there. Yeah, right. And because drugs have, I mean, drugs street value kind of fluctuates depending on where you are and what the quality is, and so on and so forth. But like, because drugs have some known dollar value in U.S. dollars, you can then 
get a valuation for Bitcoin because if somebody's willing to give you four Bitcoin for a kilo of cocaine, then uh, you can just say like, okay, so what's a kilo of cocaine worth okay. right now in US dollars? And that's what four Bitcoin is worth, so right? It becomes right, a intermediary. Okay. Yeah, totally. Uh, cool. So drugs birthed the crypto market. Got it. And then, and then from there, I think it's been, I mean, I mean, there was a, there was, you know, then it just caught on from there, but you know, other outlets started writing about it. Uh, speculators moved in. We saw this enormous bubble at the end of last year where, where Bitcoin hit about $20,000. Uh, and then this year, things have started to settle more. Uh, but but none of this is to say that Bitcoin is only valuable for drugs or or that this technology is only valuable for drugs or, or illicit purposes. I think I think we've moved past that, I hope. But uh, it just the, the thing that, that at the end of the day, the reason that Bitcoin is exciting, the reason that the technology beneath it is exciting is because it, it has the potential to disrupt the, the balance of power on the Internet. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Just means that that for a lot of people, myself included, this is the this is the first uh, tool we've seen in a long time that that actually could do some could could change that that balance. So I'm I'm curious about that. Like, talk more about like what when you talk about the balance of power, like in terms of monetary, like moving money around. Who has the power right now, and like what is the sort of desire to change things? Well, I would expand it from there. I I wouldn't say that it's exclusively limited to money. I mean, there is there is a a, you know there there are there are core developers of Bitcoin who still still get together in, in rooms, you know, guys who have been working on this day in and day out, who still get together in rooms and then they put up on a whiteboard and they say, what is Bitcoin? And it's it's not because they it's not because they don't know. It's not because they they are are winging it. It's just because you know, yes, Bitcoin gives us the ability to move around mathematical codes without a third party, but that doesn't have to be limited to to tokens that are valued for dollars right that's that's something that was an easy first step it makes a lot of sense I've, i i can create a token I've, i can create one of it what does that look like that looks like a coin that looks like digital money but uh but when we talk about moving information you know at, at heart we're just moving information online and when we talk about moving information online securely uh between between people without the need for a third party uh you know, now we're talking about something. I mean, I mean, could could there be blockchain email? Could there be uh, uh, some some blockchain element to social networks such that such that we control more of the data than we don't? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is this is where the potential and 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 some of the hype and some of the excitement comes in. Uh, yeah. So so one good example of, the, of a uh, non Bitcoin blockchain application that I've seen. Um, that I'm reporting about right now is this company operating in Ghana. um, And there's this, um, basically a big problem in Ghana is sort of uh, land ownership rights. Like there's a lot of land in the country that where there's multiple people claiming this is my land. Um, And so uh, there's this service, this company going around working with the government um, to sort of go parcel by parcel and figure out like, okay, who really... Uh, who is, does this land really belong to? And they're using a blockchain ledger to do it because it's so difficult to uh, manipulate that. And like once it's in there, it's in there and then everybody can see it and it becomes a really useful sort of administrative tool. So that's like one example of, you know, even if Bitcoin, this is something I've said for a while, but even if Bitcoin fails as a currency, that underlying idea of blockchain can be really powerful for, like Evan said, communication, but also administration. Um, and honestly, some things that would probably seem really boring, but are pretty key and essential to like day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, not boring at all. It's like making sure that your citizens get the things that they are owed and deserved like you know taxes and land and income and like and and making and making that open and public so everyone can make sure it's working instead of like you know a filing cabinet in a government's office or worse yeah. some technocratic right. uh bureaucracy corporate uh you know uh, you know black hole uh an open accessible ledger is yeah. just such a good positive future for uh for everyone but let's talk about future shock i mean we spent 30 minutes defining what this is now and so i feel i worry that 
the average person is going to struggle to understand this. Our legislators and government officials have no clue what this is. But like, but also then on the flip side, like economics is really hard. It's just not everyone is an economist. So, uh, you know, the, the, the government runs and markets function because smart people are, are in charge of them, I guess. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about this? Well, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> Bitcoin came out of, came out of the events of 10 years ago in which, you know, we mm-hmm. assumed that smart people were, were driving the, the, were behind the reins at, at, of the government and the economy. And then 10 years ago, uh, we we got kind of a, a rude awakening, right? The the entire economy crashed. The government, far from holding anyone accountable, actually rewarded the people responsible. Uh, so it it was it really set the stage for uh, for this. You know, I I I always say that the when Bitcoin is not about uh, it's not about necessarily drugs or or taking down the banks or anything. It's it's just about trust. It's it's about mm-hmm. Uh, uh, alleviating the need for trusting third parties like banks or governments or, or you know, take your pick. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, will will this require our legislators and, and voters and, and everybody to, to get an understanding of it? I, I hope not. I don't think so. You know, one of the, the great reasons that Bitcoin hasn't caught on to, to a greater audience is it's still a little difficult to use, you know, to, to use it correctly, mm-hmm. to keep it safe. You need you you are given a secret code that you need to keep safe. You, you shouldn't even keep it online. So now mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. Now now for something that's a digital good and supposed to have all the conveniences of digital. Now <laughs> now we're getting back to physical security, to getting back to, to <laughs> safes and hiding places and all these things that we thought we were done with. Well, you know what's occurring to me is that we need the killer app that everyone understands. Yes. Meaning, if every if if the citizens of Ghana. Have, don't have no clue what a blockchain is, but all of a sudden everyone gets their land and everyone is everyone's rights are respected, and they look around and be like, "Oh, that whatever they did there, that worked really good." And then when the politician, you know, whoever's running on a political platform says, "Hey, remember when we um, recorded everyone's land and everyone got what they needed? Well, we're gonna that was called blockchain, and we're gonna do it again for this system. If you vote for me, that's when the average person's like, "Well, I don't really understand blockchain, but it really worked in that other system, so." Let's do it here. And then I think that's when citizenry will all kind of get it and get together and say, yes, we want this because it's better. I, the way you guys are talking about it, it it's making me feel like we're, we live in historic times. The way we read about like, man, our, our the founding, uh, I don't want to say the founding fathers, the, the, uh, the, the, what the founders, the founders yep. to use a non-gender term. Um, wow, they were really smart, and they they created a, a fantastic, amazing system that we still use today. Are we living in a time where our children's children will look back and be like, "That was crazy, that Bitcoin blockchain thing," but now we do everything this way because man, they used to they used to use banks and they used to like have nation states like that was crazy back in the twenty eighteens. Then you just alluded to something that I think is kind of key. Like I personally, I think blockchain is successful. It's going to be successful. Like it is another way to, to, to store records. And I think it's going to be really useful. Um, the more interesting thing to watch, I think is Bitcoin as a currency um, for, for reasons of future shock, because like you just alluded to, and we, we talked about earlier currencies, as we know them are so tied to nation states, right? right? Um, whereas Bitcoin is not, and as sort of we, we enter this world where, you know, maybe the power of the nation state is eroding somewhat mm-hmm. and the power of the non-state actor is increasing in multiple ways, whether it be, um, you know, through terrorism or through other means. Um, well, corporatism. So, so my yeah, fear yeah, is that totally. nation states will subside in favor of like mega corporations and blockchain has planned for that because it is open and communal uh so right. that is like okay maybe maybe this could be the positive road we take you yes yeah. you know there, there's i mean i shared that hope there's a there's an analogy that somebody made that i that i can't get out of my head i want to share with you guys because it, it it's relevant to this and it's somebody compared bitcoin to potentially to linux in that only assholes use it. That's, that's kind of <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry, yes. I, I broke our no cursing rule. Yes. We have to cut the, bleep that one out. That's it. 
Um, Linux was developed to, by people with lofty ambitions to take down Microsoft. Okay. Right. They said they said we're going to create this this open source uh, uh, operating system. It's going to displace Microsoft. It's going to be more difficult for users to use in, in the you know in the near term. But they'll adopt it when they realize that they're making a more open world and it's going to and we're going to and we're going to take down Microsoft. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, you know it, it didn't happen. Not the way that they thought it did. Mm-hmm. Certainly, certainly, Linux never became this desktop app that that had any you know real appeal outside of outside of some core developers. And yet, Linux went on uh, to form the basis. It's it's commonly used in cloud computing right now. And Linux became the basis for Android, mm-hmm. which became the the most popular operating system in the world. Mm-hmm. And so, and 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 now, cloud computing and and mobile are both these areas where Microsoft may as well be non-existent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and these are both you know the new frontiers of computing. Uh, so in a weird sort of way, uh, Linux succeeded in in what its developers wanted it to do. Uh, in, in that sense, in taking down Microsoft, it didn't free us from from corporate control of of the digital ecosystem at all, right? Or 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 at least not to the degree that anyone wanted. Uh, and so so. This, you know, there, there's a potential. We right now, we are, we all have lofty ambitions for this technology, for Bitcoin and for blockchain, and, and we think this could, this could change everything, and this could really uh, help to to win the power back to the users, and and yet to to achieve that sort of scale and that sort of impact that we want it to have, who knows? Who knows if it becomes like Linux, and and it and it only achieves that impact once it's adopted by some sort of new corporate behemoth that that's even worse than the one we're right. trying to get rid of yeah no kidding man i love that's that dark. analogy that's a perfect yeah. analogy but it's it's not making me feel optimistic so are we doomed <laughs> no. are we, as a civilization as humans are we doomed to fall into the trap of like eh, it's just easier to use google it's just, it's just easier to use facebook i don't need to like set up my own rig my own technologies I mean, I I gotta think the ease of use will always win out until the economic benefits uh, favor favor something more laborious, right? right? Un- until until PayPal or or Venmo is taken, if you know, if we saw some day where PayPal and Venmo took an enormous cut, uh, then you would see a mass flock to Bitcoin. But I, you know, I can't I can't envision that. Uh, but if there, I mean, there, there could be some sorts of reasons. Devaluation of currency we're seeing right now in Turkey is, as the, the lira is slipping, where you're seeing mm. a lot of activity in Turkey, mm-hmm. in Turkey and, and Turks, a huge proportion of Turks have owned Bitcoin bigger than, and, than anything I would imagine. I mean, that's kind of fascinating. I was going to bring that up as well in the sense of like, uh, remittances, like this idea that, yeah. um, people in one country are send, are using Bitcoin to send, uh, wealth back to people in their home country, family members and whatnot, uh, in a way that evades sort of uh, taxes and other kinds of uh, financial controls that nation states put down, right? And that's an interesting way that uh, individuals are sort of superseding the traditional power of nation states in a way that's not really, it's not corporatist, it's its almost, you know, um, libertarian in a sense, right? right? The, um, that's kind of fascinating. That value, but Evan, let me. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead, Matt. I'm, no, no, no. Go ahead. No, no, just, just, just uh, adding on that 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 that's the added value that that it is worth um, not having to pay taxes or not having to pay fees is worth the effort to not use a bank. And that's or the, the killer anonymity, an right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. That's uh, uh, that's the that's the I don't know. That's the the core of everything uh, about Bitcoin. Well, well, Evan, let me yes, let me ask you di- this one disclaimer, Fitz, and then I, and then I, yeah, yeah, yeah. one disclaimer that I that I have to put out there is that Bitcoin does have fees, but it's controversial and it's nerdy, and and let's skip it. Okay, go on. All right, <laughs> All right. fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so I feel like when when Bitcoin first started. Um, and, and certainly as it started to get a little more popular, it was sort of this libertarian fever dream, like you alluded to earlier, right? Where it's like, yeah, man, we're going to, we don't need no nation states or central yep. bank or fed. Like we're going to do this ourselves and have this currency that's not tied to any country and do all sorts of cool stuff. Um, but I feel like now this, like may, maybe not the same people, but I feel like a lot of people in that community, uh, are now cheering that it's like, cool, we're regulated by the securities exchange or, or yeah. the SEC <laughs> because it's a sign. Like the, they see those things as a sign that, um, it, it's almost as if the people who are interested in it as a commodity rather than a currency are seeing those things as a sign that it's, uh, you know, normal legitimate. and acceptable legitimate. and okay. Legitimate. And legit, it legitimizes yeah, yeah, That's yeah. a perfect word. Oh my gosh. I never and thought it about that. it legitimizes it. 
as a product. Yeah. And so it gives it more wealth. Right. It's value, one of the rather. most fascinating things to watch, I think, in this space in the last 10 years. And and one of the, one of the more divisive ones, too, right? Is that, is, of course. Is that as, as this has grown, uh, the people who have a stake in it, you know, want it, want to see it succeed and, and want to see it, you know, grow beyond the audience it has. And, and to get to those ends, they've had to implement, you know, you know they, they've called for, for different kinds of, of controls on it or different, different sorts of, of features that could look like controls. And even now uh, there's, there's proposals about to, to solve the problem of Bitcoin scaling uh, by implementing something called the lightning network. And there are a lot of features of the lightning network that in, in certain lights do resemble a traditional banking. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's why a go real... lightning when you should just go right to USB-C. I don't understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. USB-C is the future. Yes, they, the they, lightning uh, port is dead. All right. All right. <laughs> in, in any case, in any case, yeah, the, the, the the idea that Bitcoin should be tied closer to our to our traditional monetary system is is kind of it, on its surface, it's mind blowing, and, and it's certainly a thread to watch. I have a question. I mean, this is complicated because I'm sure there's different factions that would agree or disagree. But I want I want anonymity. I want to use it as cash. I want I believe in the future of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. But I also think that we are a nation of laws and taxation. And so if I accumulate wealth through through any currency, I should be taxed on it. So like I want it to be untraceable, but I also want it to be accounted for in by government by our government to make sure everyone's paying their fair share and we have roads and schools and and such. So like are those two concepts diametrically opposed and impossible to reconcile? Well, I think not only uh, just to add to that, not only for tax reasons, but like think about how many crimes are solved because we have a financial record of like, oh, here's where this guy bought the gun mm-hmm. that he used or something like that. Right. So if we lose that, uh, you know, I mean, and that's that's part of the reason that people are interested in this. Like there is a, sm- a subset of Bitcoin users that uh, like we alluded to all the drug buying that that happens with it. Like um, I'm willing to put aside just for argument's sake. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm willing to put that aside because if I want to commit a premeditated crime and I don't want to be tracked, I will just pull some cash out of you know the mattress and buy the gun or the drugs that I want to buy. So like this is sure. just the digital form of that. So like I, I think you're you're right that it will there will be an uptick as this catches on. But like I'm not concerned about it. I'm thinking more about like. Are we accounting for everyone's wealth in the in the ways that our laws and taxes are fun- should function? No, not right now. Um, mm. I don't think there's like a great. I don't get the sense that there's a huge amount of people who are using Bitcoin to like tax evade and that kind yeah, of thing right yeah. now. Um, I'm sure it's happening. I don't think it's like you know costing the economy trillions totally, or anything no, like that. But I guess that. I'm asking philosophically, like, can, can we yeah. say can, we want anonymous currency, digital currency, but we also want to we want everyone to be accounted for and, and fair? Is that impossible to it's, reconcile? It's there. There are teams working to to figure that out right now because because that that's one of the the trickier things about this. Bitcoin, the ledger is completely open, right? And anybody can see. Who gave what money to whom? But be, whom being being an address on the Bitcoin network, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's doesn't say Matt Silverman gave it to Alex. It just says two nine one gave it to to four six eight whatever. Mm-hmm. But so so that in, in some ways, and Matthew Green, who who's a big guy in this world, says this very often, is that in some ways Bitcoin is the least anonymous form of currency, mm-hmm. right? There's there's never been a currency with an open ledger where I can see every transaction that's ever happened on mm-hmm. it. Uh, in some ways, in in some ways, if the goal is is a complete record of who owns what for purposes of taxation or otherwise, uh, Bitcoin might be the best product, or some version of of it might be a really good product for that. Certainly, if you could associate everyone's Bitcoin address with their real with their real ID, and we can certainly come up with ways in which that would ha- occur. Uh, then, then yeah, Bitcoin would be great for for understanding who has money and and how to collect it. Well, another idea, for- and maybe this is related to what you're saying before, Evan. Like the fees, I don't know anything about them, but yeah. what if if I want to be participate in the ledger, then I need to pay a fee, essentially a tax, proportional to um 
the amount of money that I'm moving or acquiring. And then it's like the government doesn't need to know who is paying the fees. There's just a big bucket of money where the fees go. And that then gets distributed to whatever government or system is owed those fees. Is that even a concept that people want or think about? Or am I, am I, is this nonsensical what I'm saying? It's it, it you would have to structure things very differently. The the right now in the Bitcoin network fees go to the people who who actually run the processors, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So so in that sort of system, in that system, in the system you describe, it would work if the government is the one who's running all all the processors. But it in that in in the same way that PayPal functions right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but then then it's we're sort of getting into the problem that Bitcoin is invented to solve. Yes. Doesn't, doesn't, uh, so, mean that so, we're, doesn't mean that we're not slipping back that way. Yeah, but, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Forget the fees, but let's say, could we just tax Bitcoin users at the transactional level so that they don't have to file tax returns based on Bitcoin? They've already paid their their tax at that transaction point. I don't know. Is that stupid? Uh, Bitcoin specifically, maybe not, but, but a digital currency. Could you design some sort of digital currency that fulfills part of that need? Sure. But, mm-hmm. but I think to your earlier question, right, can you, can you create a digital currency that is as anonymous as cash? Um, but, but that, uh, uh, that facilitates the, the sorts of transparency that we get now through, through paychecks and through these things so that we have some idea through land registries so that we have some idea of who owns what assets and, and roughly how much they owe, even though in practice, of course, we know that a lot of people get away without paying their fair share. Yeah. Well, I guess uh, like, I, I guess I'm being a little, uh, precious because, there's probably billions and trillions of dollars in tax revenue that's never accounted for in any given country because like tons of people just pay other people in cash all the time and none of that is accounted for. I pay a guy to to, to mow my lawn, I pay the babysitter, like none of that's being accounted for by by the government. So this if this is just the digital form of that, then like cool. It's all the same, right? I feel like what you're sort of getting at is almost the exact opposite of like what the sort of libertarian roots of this thing are in the sense of like maybe this is a tool for the government to track far more of our spending and tax and you know taxable income or taxable uh, money movements than they it currently does mm-hmm. right like this could be a a, a, a real tool for um, government oversight of financial activity I, I I'll take that one step further uh, it was just announced last week. Uh, that the Chinese government, which has sort of a love-hate relationship with this technology, uh, one town in China announced that they're using blockchain to monitor uh, parolees, ex-convicts who legally mm-hmm. have to have to check in every now and then. Uh, it, they've they've moved that process onto a blockchain uh, so that it is verifiable and so that it's uh, maybe less paperwork or just less less overhead for them. Um, it's, but it's, there's, a, there's a really terrible blockchain gang to make uh, joke to make uh, in there somewhere. To it. You beat me to it. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, so so it is. It, it's it's one of those technologies that that you know could it be one of those things that we that was greeted as a liberator and and didn't work out quite that way. Uh, we'll see. I, I mean, I certainly I hope not. And, and and certainly there's there's a lot to be excited about still too. <laughs> Well, you could put the the internet itself in that yeah. category, which is sure. uh, dark. And I do. Say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we have both explained blockchain and cryptocurrency, uh, unpacked it as a concept, and uh, deliberated on its future and its future shock. A threat to the very nation state itself. If you, if you, do you think I'm overstating that? Is cryptocurrency a threat to nation states? <sighs> nation states are the biggest threat to nation states. <laughs> you know, I mean, Bitcoin wasn't around when the when the whole economy crashed, right? That uh, that that did more to shake people's faith in the dollar than than Bitcoin ever could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you get, it's tough. It's it's very difficult to foresee a world anytime soon when sort of the power of the nation state is truly eroded away um but if anything can do it i think a new form of currency certainly could given that um you know currency is is everything to people money is everything and if there's a a a way to uh, a mass movement towards something else in, in terms of currency that's not controlled by 
a nation state or a central bank or anything like that. Like maybe the entire international order gets rewritten in that thing's image in a, in a unpredictable and wholly new way. Yeah, I feel like it is aligning historically with this idea that um, you don't need to be, thank you. Thanks to the Internet, you don't need to be physically close to people who share your values or ideology, meaning mm-hmm. Uh, your nationality doesn't matter if you're hanging out with 10,000 people who like, you know, libertarianism or Pokemon on the internet. Like that, those are your people, not your neighbors. And so, so we already have that. That's already eroding the nationhood in, in my view. And then on top of that, you're like, I don't want to use the dollar. I'm going to buy all my stuff from Amazon with Bitcoin or Litecoin or whatever you want to use because you can choose any one of the thousands, I'm sure. And those two factors combined seem like a very powerful compound threat to nation, uh, national identity. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like what is the one thing that defines all Americans? Like it feels like a very uh, torn apart and segmented society right now, mm-hmm. given what's going on. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that really binds us, we besides like the fact that everybody poops, <laughs> right, don't like Canada, um, but we all use the dollar and all Canadians use the Canadian dollar um, and all, you know, and I guess Europe is a really interesting case with the euro and all that. And like that's sort but of Europe, uh, well, a, a Europe whole is other not a, arms, yeah, but, Europe is not a single nation. But like, right. uh, I'm suddenly terrified by the idea that I cannot think of, tr- I truly cannot think of a single thing that all Americans are like, yeah, this is why we're American. This is what, this is what defines us because it is so partisan and so divided I, I I don't know. I can't. Think, I really can't think of a single thing. Am I be- baseball? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no. I mean, it's it is a little bit of a stretch. But like, it really like the the idea of a nation state as like the um, sort of administrative aspect around a single unified currency. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a single unified code of laws, but like a lot of those laws have to do with dealing with that currency, too. So like it's just also intertwined that if you lose that uniform currency, like I don't know what happens to the nation state like that is really weird to think about. And I can't think of any laws or systems that are like, yeah, America's got this and that is what makes us American. Nobody else has this. It's like "Mm, it's the 21st century. Like everyone else has like modern progressive laws and uh, systems and governance. And it was like, yeah, we have freedom. Well, like, sure. Lots of other people have freedom. So like what what is it anymore? I, I don't know. Are we being hyperbolic? No, I mean, I think there is something to like, you know, it is very, um, you know, the country is still very entrepreneurial and uh, has a, you know, it's it's easier to build a new company and build an idea here than it is in most other places. Um, so there's something to that for sure. Um, That's very um, uh, uh, murky. Uh, you know, like I agree with you. It but is. It's like not, it's, it's pluses uh, and minuses. Yeah. Like No, I just mean it's, it's very um, ephemeral. It, it is. It's like yes. there's a feeling in the U.S., that entrepreneurialism is alive and it's like okay well i i feel that feeling but i don't know what it's like in tel aviv or or uh, ghana like we, we, i don't there, know what the, the spirit there is, is there there is an organization that, that uh that puts out a list and i'm blanking on the name right now and the u.s ranks high on that list i don't think we're number one but like we're of high like startups like, yeah of like of like ease they say ease of starting a business i see right and, yeah, uh, I think it's really a combination yeah, of like high, a, it, you know fairly like light regulation, like comparatively light regulation, uh, which like good or bad, you can sort of make up your mind on that. Uh, but also access to to venture capital mm. and uh, all sorts of money is here, right. um, and that's kind of you know you want your startup capital like here is the place to get it, and like other places, of course, I've sort of seen like Tel Aviv, Israel is an amazing startup scene. Uh, other uh, countries uh, do as here, well, but but here here we are of like you yeah. said, oh well, there's money and wealth here. Well, yeah. what's here? Because if I can get my capital from anywhere yeah. in the world, because Bitcoin is right. everywhere, right. then here doesn't matter anymore. In, Thus, in the same eroding way, yeah. the nation state. In the same way that, that yeah. I can find my community online. Yeah. It, right. Oh. Exactly. So yeah. like, we're, well, we're obviously not there yet, but like 
The future's so, coming, gentlemen. So, so totally. either think of something that unifies America or buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Those are your choices. And with that, cool. we will see ya. Actually, we'll we'll see you on Twitter because uh, at least two of us on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Evan is on Twitter. I just got an account. Oh, right, Alex is you, on. He's on, on now. Twitter? I'm on Twitter now. Oh, you, sh- yeah. you should not be mad. It was, it's terrible on there. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> you should rethink that. There get was off. something about Toad get today. No, I don't know. Just get off as soon as you can. <laughs> <laughs> Where can the fine listeners find you on Twitter, Alex? I am at Alex James Fitz, F-I-T-Z. He's only got two or three tweets out there, so help help him be, out. Be the first. There's more coming. Be the first to like him. The, the joke here, the joke, <laughs> if you've been listening, is Alex has been on Twitter forever, but but he still actually hasn't had any likes, so please give him a like. <laughs> it's really the, the number of tweets that I send out that are liked only by my mom is really <laughs> yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan, where can yeah. we find you on Twitter? I am on Twitter at Evan Engel. That is E-V-A-N-E-N-G-E-L. And I am at Matt underscore Silverman. Matt with two T's, obviously, because what kind of uh, barbarian spells it with one T, honestly? Yeah. Can't afford that second T. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, We'll probably get an email address for this show at some point in the near future. We would like you to email us. Uh, Perhaps I will um, edit in a a fake read of an email address. But for now, Mm -hmm. uh, drop it in the show notes. Drop it in the show notes. Our email's in the show notes. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this weird, wild experiment uh, from three guys who like talking about the future. Uh, if you have a topic or an idea or a question, we are not experts, but we think and talk about this stuff a lot. So we would like to talk about it with you. Tweet us, email us, uh, and perhaps your idea will be the topic of our next show. So we would like to hear from you. For now, uh, 